I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. In today's episode, we're going to hear a presentation from last year's security and risk event entitled The CISO's Guide to Empowering Their Direct Reports. In the session, Vice President and Principal Analyst Jeff Pollard provides both strategic and tactical advice for security leaders looking to empower their staff. If you like what you hear today, be sure to check out the agenda for this year's Security and Risk Forum taking place November 9th and 10th. At this year's event, Jeff Pollard will present a keynote entitled CISOs and the Trust Imperative, and Senior Analyst Jess Burns will present a session on succession planning for the security organization. To learn more about that event, visit for.com slash sr21. That's forr.com slash sr21. Let's take a listen. Welcome, Jeff Pollard, Vice President and Principal Analyst on a security risk team at Forrester. Incredibly excited to be here with you today. And the topic's about CISOs and helping them to empower their direct reports. This is a, a topic I've become increasingly passionate about and one that most of the security leaders I've talked to have also really taken to. Um, and one of my favorite things about it is that you get such a, a mix of managerial styles and, and such a mix of leadership styles and advice. It's been incredibly compelling. And, and perhaps one of my favorite, as I was conducting research interviews, was what we've termed the alternate title here. Everything I know about management, I learned from parenting a teenager. Uh, maybe even learn from parenting a teenager during a pandemic. That's what one of our interviewees talked about. You know, ultimately the concept that, um, you know, th there's always a battle uh, of a sort between authority figures and the people that report to them. Um, everyone's trying to find their place and figure out what they're going to contribute and how they're going to contribute. And you can't always do it the same way. You can't be dictatorial. You can't micromanage. You can't oversee. You've got to give some freedom. And that freedom is part of the empowerment that we're going to talk about, because I actually think it's one of the most important things that security leaders can really examine. If you think about the last decade or so, we've spent almost all of our time helping chief information security officers learn how to speak up to other C-level executives, to the board of directors. In fact, that's almost where all the conversation happens. And rightfully so, CISOs earned a place at the table and they they all almost universally needed some help in terms of, of getting that right. What they were sharing with the board wasn't, wasn't perfect um, and some tuning was needed and, and still is. That part's important, but it also meant that we sort of neglected the direct reports, the teams that we directly lead. Uh, we work with them. And, and we helped them and we mentored them, et cetera, but not a lot of focus or attention went into how to effectively lead those teams and how to empower those individuals. And that's an issue and it's an issue exacerbated even more by the fact that we're now in this widespread work from home condition. That's why we're all here virtually. Normally we get together for this. Well, now your teams are this way. So when you're talking to the directors that report to you, the managers that report to you, when they're talking to the people that report to them, it's in these little boxes on screen. It's, it's not face to face. There's not a water cooler conversation. It's just not happening now. And that means that learning to empower our direct reports and work with them 
is even more important because they're navigating the challenges of this pandemic the same way that you are personally and professionally. So in starting to do a, a lot of this research, I, I found a, a text, a book that frankly is phenomenal. And, and I would honest to goodness recommend that almost everyone go out and, and snag this for the people that report to you, especially those newly in a leadership role. And it's called The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhu. Early in the book, she talks about why working in teams is so important. And of course, it's dead on, right? Working together in teams is how the world moves forward. We create things far grander and more ambitious than we could have done alone. And this is how innovation moves forward. It's how organizations succeed. It's why we have teams. That's why they're so important. But that's also why it's incredibly important for you to empower the people that lead those teams to be successful. The book is called The Making of a Manager. Again, I highly recommend it. It's phenomenal. You're going to see it a few times through this, but you're also going to see some insights from our interviewees and some other uh, texts out there. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, security's got its set of skeptics. Uh, you've got plenty of people on your team that are going to say, look, I'm, I'm a manager. I know how to manage. Or why are you talking to me about this? I know what I'm doing. They're going to look at you a little skeptically, if not accusatorily, and say, is this advice or judgment? And sometimes maybe it's a little bit of both, but we're going to stick to advice for this one. The other problem out there about this topic, and trust me, it's one I've been battling with for you so you don't have to, is that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of books available on this topic. Now, there's problems with some of those books. One, the right people don't always read them. Two, the books often lack what we call crunch. Uh, it's sort of like some of these books boil down to uh, doing the important thing is important because it's important. There's not necessarily practical advice. It's sort of help your people be good leaders because being a good leader is important. And then th that's the end of the chapter. And so you're stuck saying, well, thanks, but that's why I bought the book. Now, here's a fun fact about that. The number one indicator for someone buying a self-help book or a productivity book or something like that is having bought a self-help or productivity book before. That's actually the leading indicator. So when you think about analytics and algorithms and everything else, that's the predictor. You bought one, so you'll probably be another one. I'm not going to say that the cynic in me says, well, if that's the case, the first one didn't work, but it certainly makes me wonder, why do we need so many of them? I think the answer is that crunch, and that's 100% what I'm going to give you in this session. So you're gonna leave with some things that matter from sort of a framework perspective, but also things that you can do immediately that you'll get results out of. The one line definition of a manager that I think is so important is to get better outcomes from a group of people working together. That's powerful. It's concise. That's how you know I didn't write it. Um, Julie Zhu did. It's also from the making of a manager. But this is what so many of the security leaders that I interviewed talked to me about. This concept of we're trying to figure out a way to force multiply, to take the people that we have in the security organization, develop the skills, create competencies, train them, identify the ones that want to be a leader, coach them up, and let them begin their journey as a manager a director, and a future chief information security officer. And that's something that happens internally. It happens externally as well. But that's what we're talking about, right, is cultivating the talent that we have in this industry. And we say that there's a staffing shortage. 
some of that's self-inflicted if you've read some of the other research done by Chase Cunningham, Joseph Blankenship, and me. But you also know that some of it isn't self-inflicted. All the skills aren't out there. You've got to develop, and that means the people you have with promise, you've got to make them as good as they can be while they're working for you. You've got to help them hone every skill they have. Well, if that's the what, then here's the how. So we've done a number of research interviews so far, and I mentioned kicking off that one of the most interesting parts of this has been how much styles have varied, how much some leaders have intuited about the way that they empower people versus others have studied and, and figured out how they do it, and others admit that they're not great at it yet. They, they want help, and others don't necessarily have a clue if they're doing it right, but they know they're doing something. And they feel pretty good about it and their teams are happy. And I'm going to give you an example of that. And I'm not going to bash this example, though some of our interviewees absolutely did, while some saying it's praises. But one of those is, don't bring me problems, only bring me solutions. Now, this was said in good faith. And that's why I'm not going to go against it necessarily. But as I shared it with other security leaders we interviewed, most of them had a big problem with it. And the problem was that if you're an effective leader, if you're an effective manager, director, CISO, you need to know about the problems because sometimes those solutions, it's your job to come up with them. And sometimes those solutions, it's your job to remove the obstacles out of the way so they can be used. And sometimes it's to get down in the muck and figure out the solution with your team. So some leaders say, don't bring me problems, only bring me solutions. And what they mean is don't be paralyzed. Don't whine, don't tattle. We're stuck at home and work from home. I've got four kids. I spend most of my days wanting not to hear tattling. So I get this sentiment, but I probably want them to tattle if the kitchen's on fire because they don't know how to put that out. So this is just an example of how harsh this can be in terms of leadership styles because there's controversy over what's a pretty straightforward statement out there. And by the way, I'm curious, what do you think of this? Is this good advice, bad advice? Is it directionally right, but not perfect? Let's talk about it. Let's chat about it. But let's move into what I call the secret to empowerment. And in some ways, by the way, it's also the synonym of how to empower your direct reports, and that's delegation. This is it. We're at about the midway point now, and this is one of the secrets. Now, I've got some other tips and some other things we're going to talk about, but delegation is it. There's not a lot of guides for it. I've, I've Googled it. I've looked at academic research. I've looked at popular books. I've, I've looked at studies on it. I've listened to podcasts. I've watched videos. I've read Twitter threads about it. Everyone agrees this is hyper important, but there's not a lot of crunch to it. But luckily, during our interview process, we were actually able to aggregate and synthesize some really specific steps on how to be a great delegator and how to think about delegation. And I want to give a, a sincere shout out to the folks that, um, some of whom are in the audience, by the way, that agreed to be interviewees for this research. I'm not going to name their names because some of them want to be private, but there are several of them. Thank you, because you helped fuse some of this together. And it's one of the most exciting things that I found, I think, in any research I've done is the, the framework that we're going to introduce you to. And it's fairly simple. Um, it, it's not rocket science. But it also requires you to be able to step away and figure out how to do it. And most of us don't have time for that. I get it. That, that's why we don't necessarily have the method. But there are really four elements 
that were shared with us consistently when you think about delegating, when you think about how to delegate. And, and the core concept here that you'll often read about is fire yourself. How can you fire yourself from jobs? And guess what? You're never going to be out of a job if you fire yourself as a CISO because there's always something else to do. Well, this is the way that we found to do it. This is the way that a lot of people shared good, solid advice with us on how they approached it. There are four big elements with this. The first is need to know. Are you operating with information that only you can know or only you should know? If that's the case, you probably can't delegate it. But if that's not the case, you probably want to delegate it. Power imbalances. Let's say that you need to go and work with the head of application development. And it's the CTO in this scenario. You know that this isn't critical, but it's pretty important. And so you want to delegate it to one of the folks that reports to you, maybe a director or a manager, except the stakeholder on the other side is the CTO. Well, if you send your manager a couple levels down in the org chart over to deal directly with the CTO, it may be fantastic, but it may not be. The CTO may be unhappy, feeling like they're suddenly having to operate down in the enterprise because they think you think you're too good for them. So power imbalances are incredibly important. If levels are right, then delegation might make sense. But if they're not, you've got to be sensitive to it. The strategic priority of the initiative, how important is what's going on to the company? Does it line up with the 10K, the top three to five goals the company's pursuing over the next two to three years? Or is this relatively minor? And then finally, the likelihood of success. Can they actually do it? Is it, is it going to work? Or is it going to be a failure? And if it's a failure, do you know it? Do they know it? Does everyone else know it? You don't ever want to set anybody up to fail unless you're okay with that and they know it and you know it and others know it. Now, part of the reason why this is so important is because these two kill your time. The things that you're doing that don't have need to know just for you that could be shared organizationally down with your direct reports and things that don't have power imbalances where a director could work with a director, a manager with a manager, et cetera, or where people just culturally don't care about that level in the org. Well, these things are just sapping your time. You shouldn't be doing them. These are things you can hand off. You need to fire yourself from these activities. It's not so sensitive that only you can know it. And the rest of the organization isn't sensitive to people at different levels working on it. Get rid of it. This has to get off your plate. There's someone underneath you that you're responsible for that wants to learn how to do this, that it will help them if they learn how to do it. So make sure they're involved. The one that sabotages your direct reports is the likelihood of success. Think about it. If it's destined to fail, how's your direct report going to feel about it? Are they going to make progress? Are they going to be stuck? Are they going to be worried that you're doing this on purpose? Maybe you handed them this because you're unhappy with them. Maybe you handed it to them because they're the person that makes things that are almost certain to fail work. They've got to know, but don't put them in situations to fail, especially when it matters. And that's obvious, but this happens so, so often. And I can almost guarantee you, because we've talked to those direct reports that report to you, sometimes they're scared to ask, are you setting me up for failure on purpose? Do you know this isn't going to work? I told you and you said, yeah, but did you mean it? It matters. And then the ones that's obvious, strategic priority. If this is one of the top five most important things to the company, you probably don't want to hand it off. Heck, you want to run with it because it might be good for you too. You may not want to put that in the hands of someone that can't handle it yet or isn't ready for it. And that's okay. So understand the strategic priority. And then the second part of this. So we started with delegation as the secret or the synonym. 
Now let's talk feedback. Now, feedback is one of those topics that's everywhere in the world in, in modern enterprises. It's an HR thing. We all know about feedback, but we've got some fairly specific techniques for feedback that you can use that will help. And it's very straightforward. It's a three-tiered system, task-based feedback, behavioral feedback, and then 360-degree feedback. I told you we want crunch in this, so we're not going to stop there. I'm going to give you some examples of exactly what these look like. Task-based feedback, it's weekly or more often, it's project and activity specific. It's what's working, what isn't, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be better, how to improve it. It's continuous, and it's based on things that are active and happening right now, projects that are ongoing, initiatives that are ongoing, things that matter. You're sharing this with your direct reports, but they're also probably sharing some of that feedback with their direct reports. That's how it should work. So this isn't just you to them. It's also them to the people that report to them. Then behavioral feedback on a quarterly basis. Think of this as behavioral and skill development. The things that they need to cultivate as skills to move to the next level, maybe even the next job, because they may not be there all the time. They might move on. That might be the right way for them to move up. This is where you're coaching. This is where you're saying, be a better communicator. Understand the business better. Get comfortable in front of the board. Get comfortable in front of the CFO. And then finally, the 360-degree feedback. Now, most of us think about this annually. Yeah, once a year, we go around, we give you know colleagues feedback. This can be ad hoc too, and it's about context and perception. What was it like working with? What was it like working for? What worked? What didn't? What could be better? This is about the individual. Are they self-actualized? Is what they're giving to the world what they think they're giving? Do they think they're charitable and they're not? Do they think their feedback is great, that their coaching is great, but it's, it's not? Think about this as something that can be used opportunistically on projects and initiatives in an ad hoc basis to give someone spot feedback on what they need to improve. There's powerful stuff there. Again, really boils down to a three-tier system. Task, behavior, 360 degree, and think about it in terms of timing. Project, quarterly, and then ad hoc plus annually, because it probably already happens as part of your HR process, but this can transform the way that you share information with direct reports as well as what they see underneath them. Now, here's some of my favorite stuff in this, the pro tips, the super almost secret sauce of some of these that I'll be honest, never would have thought of if it hadn't been talking to the interviewees. And, and some of these are, are absolutely amazing. The first one, one of the security leaders we talked to, their company has a goal system that's shared across all the leaders. You can see someone else's goals right there in the, in the HR system. So what he does with his direct reports is he sits down with them and says, this has to do with X or Y. You're going to go talk to application development. Here are the four things that they care about. That leader responsible for that group is, is on task to do these three things this year. Those are his goals, her goals. So whatever you're talking about needs to be framed in that context. That's terrific. Think about the fact that you might understand what other leaders' goals are. You might understand the strategic initiatives. Your team may not. And so sit down with them and prepare them. This group cares about availability. This group cares about code check-ins. This group cares about product launches. This group cares about margin, CapEx versus OpEx. Coach them on that because that starts to help them understand the business through the other person's eyes, not just securities, but others. One of my favorites, asynchronous chat, especially in the work from home world. We're all on Slack, Teams, Skype, IM, whatever it is. It's informal. When you think about reaching out to your um, direct reports and talking to them, if you say, how are things going via email, it's going to be formal. If you do it face-to-face, -face, you may not get it. But if you do it over asynchronous chat, you'd be amazed what people will share with you. This was one of the pro tips from one of our interviewees. That's how he does check-ins. 
a couple times a day, maybe once a day. Hey, how are things going? How are you feeling? Gets tons of info about the temperature of his team and the person without even necessarily trying, right? Just through this. Now, by the way, the minute this happened, that's what my screen looked like because I realized I had probably been sending my manager things I shouldn't. And I didn't need him to have that kind of insight into what I was doing every day. So I sat down and decided, eh, not so much. I'm not going to share this with him. Understand how the company makes money. This one's kind of obvious, but it needs to be coached. Help them get a grasp on the fact that what matters to the business day in, day out may change, might be different. Today is different from tomorrow. CapEx one year, OpEx the next year. But start to coach them. Let them not just float budget initiatives up to you, but also carry it forward. Let them negotiate with the CFO. Bring them into the meeting if the CFO consents. Don't let them just see how the ingredients are put together for the budget. Let them see how it's actually made, even if it's ugly. That's useful because, again, these folks report to you now, but you're coaching them. They might move on. They may move up. Help them out with that. And then lastly, be present. Now, when your direct reports come to you face-to-face, -face, or even when you're on a session, you're putting down the phone, right? You're expecting them to. They're not looking at pop-up messages. They're not multitasking. This is really hard to work from home because we all have our monitors open. We all have other apps running. Be present the same way you would expect them to. Shut down email. Go do not disturb on IM. You can't close a laptop screen if you're doing a virtual meeting, so don't go that far. That won't end well, but be present. Be on time. Give them the same thing that you expect from them, the same things that might irritate you. Give them that credit. This matters. When you're not present, when they can see you darting to the other side of the screen because email popped up or responding to an IM barely in text, they notice. It doesn't empower them. It makes them feel like you're not plugged in. So make sure to do that. Now, the last few things, I mentioned a lot of books and look, I talked badly about some of them, but there are some great ones out there. And this is a list that kept coming up with the people that we talked to. The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, Hyatt, Put Management, sort of one of the Bibles out there of leadership, The Making of a Manager I mentioned, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, and then Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last, the concept of servant leadership. There are some good books out there, and these continually were surfaced by interviewees and, and even other sources as ones that give you a good glimpse of exactly what to think about. There's also a lot of other places to go, and this list certainly isn't exhaustive, but if you want to think about how to make the people that report to you better, how to really empower them, there are some other places to go. The Manager Tools podcast has been around for a long time. There's a ton of content, sometimes hard to sort through, but this is great, even if not for you, for your direct reports. They have some phenomenal stuff, things like transitioning from being an individual contributor to a leader, et cetera. So think about plugging them in there. One of our former uh, VIPs, Dan Ayala, Mentor Core is a startup that he's running where he seeks to connect security pros with other mentors to help them develop skills. So that way you're not just locked into your own company, you can actually build a network out there. Dan's hyper passionate about this. Follow him on Twitter, look at, look at Mentor Core, it's phenomenal. And then ask a manager, I'll be honest, one of our interviewees referred me to askamanager.org as a blog website, and I thought she didn't realize that it was a satire. It's not. It's not a satirical website. This is real. This is a person in leadership roles that posts things that happen and, you know, aggregates user feedback and emails and then, you know, gives advice in real time on the site. Some of these will blow your mind and hopefully you will never deal with them. One example recently, one of my coworkers keeps pressuring me to get pregnant. What do I do about that? 
That is not something we're going to discuss unless you want to, and it might be fantastic, but let's make sure things aren't being recorded if we do. But that was one of the questions. Now that's not useful every day or hopefully ever, but it was there, but it's a real website. These questions actually come up. So that's another really good one for some of the things out there that are like, wow, I didn't know I'd ever be dealing with this when I became a leader. Point your direct reports there and tell them this is real. Some of these things actually happen. Thanks everyone for being here and hope the event is exactly what you wanted. Thanks all. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.